to the Adventist Healthcare and You podcast. I'm Shanna, joined with Nimit. Hi, Shanna. Hi, Nimit. How are you today? I am great. Good. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. And we have a great topic today about breast health, specifically mammogram myths. Our guest today is Dr. Eva Duckett, Medical Director of Breast Imaging here at Adventist Healthcare. She's a board-certified radiologist and specializes in breast imaging. She's located at our Adventist Healthcare Imaging Office in White Oak. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. We are delighted to have you and talk about something that is extremely important in women's health, which is mammograms. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Tell us a little bit about what you do, what a breast radiologist is, because I don't think a lot of people know that when they go get their mammogram, that there's somebody behind it, reading it and making and, and looking at it and seeing what's going on. Right. So a breast radiologist is really a physician radiologist who specializes in breast imaging. So we completed a radiology residency and then went on to specialized fellowship training in breast imaging. That's usually an extra year of training tacked on to all the medical training. And one of the unique things about breast radiology that I've learned over the years is you do get to interface a little bit with patients too. You're often the front door. You often get to meet with patients if a lump is discovered or there's an abnormality. Is that true? That's true. Specifically with breast imaging, we're, we're not sitting in a dark room all day anymore. We're out there examining patients, mm-hmm. talking to patients, explaining their breast health to them. Yes. I think it's a great thing because I think patients are hearing directly from you who's reading the, the images, you know, and, and understanding exactly the technicalities, which may be lost in translation. So it's really good that now they're able to hear that directly from you. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I think so too. That's part of The reason I love it so much is there's a lot more patient interaction. So as we're talking about testing, one of the testings that people typically do is a mammogram. So what what is a mammogram? A mammogram is a fancy word for an x-ray of the breast. So it's a specialized x-ray of the breast. And the reason we do it is why we're here today, because mammograms improve the early detection of breast cancer. It's able to really detect a large number of the cancers before you're feeling a lump or before you even have any clue that something's going on in the breast. So when we find these cancers in a smaller size in an earlier stage, our chances of cure are so much higher. I think that's one myth that we can address right away is, is that you don't always feel a lump. They're so small. And that's why mammograms are so important is it catches them when they're before you can even feel them or notice that they're there. Yes. And cancer can present itself in so many different ways. So the very earliest form that we can detect on a mammogram is just actually calcium deposits, nothing to really feel, only something that we would see on a mammogram. And um, that's in the high 90s, like 97, 98% cure with that. So when we can find it at that very early, sometimes even precancerous stage, not cancerous, but a little atypical, showing some slight changes headed that way, you know, it's just so much better. There's been a lot of change in the screening guidelines over the years. What should women be doing? We kind of stratify the women into regular average risk women and women who are at high risk. If you're just a woman at average risk, it's 40 and every year thereafter. One of the big myths that I've been hearing from some of my older patients lately is that, oh, my doctor told me I could stop at 80 or 85. There is no age cap on when you stop your mammogram. If you are healthy and well enough to come get a mammogram, please come get a mammogram. There's no cutoff age. So 40 and every year thereafter for women at average risk and then a high risk woman I would define as someone who has a very strong family history. That means I want to hear about your grandmother and your aunts and your cousins, but I'm talking about primary relative, and that's a mother, sister, or daughter. If there's someone in your family in that 
realm that has been affected, then your risk is higher, whether you actually have what we call gene positivity or not. So when I say gene positivity, I'm talking about those genes you might have heard of in the media, like the BRCA1 and 2, but there are many others. There are about 28, I think, genes in our panel now that do show some increased risk for breast cancer. But of course, BRCA1 and 2 are the ones that get the most press because that's almost an 80% increase in your risk. Those are the women who might get like a prophylactic mastectomy or hysterectomy with their ovaries removed as well. Women at high risk are also women who have had cancer before. Anyone who's had it before is at a higher risk of recurrence. And women also at high risk are women who've had a biopsy before. And it did show potentially some precancerous changes or a lesion that we consider a high risk lesion, meaning that their risk is is higher. So those women are diagnostic mammograms. And those mammograms mean that anything that I see on their mammogram that day will, will get a full workup. Additional mammographic images, a sonogram maybe a breast exam from me, but also they will see me, they will converse with me about their findings and leave with an answer of what's going to happen next. They know what their next steps are going to be. I'm getting a biopsy. I'm coming back in six months. I'll see you in a year. One thing that has been in the news or I've been reading more about lately is dense breasts. Is that a risk category? Yes, it is. All women have some of the hormonal glandular tissue in the breast or fibroglandular tissue. And there's rather a spectrum. (laughs) Some women are mostly fatty tissue with just a little bit of that tissue. But as you move across that spectrum, some women just have a snowstorm of that tissue, just lots of dense tissue. And that is being listed now as a risk factor as well. Why is that? Is it just more prone to developing cancer or another Well, it can definitely hide cancer and that is our hormonal glandular tissue. Most of our breast cancers are hormonally based, which means they're responding to our estrogen or our progesterone. Those hormonally based cancers in a woman who has a lot of that hormonal tissue Mm. is kind of where that equation is going. It's kind of linking that to women with denser breasts. But that dense breast, like I say, it looks like a snowstorm sometimes and it can actually hide small things within. So with these new 3D mammograms that we do, it just kind of goes layer by layer and we get a series of images of the breast, not just one picture like it used to be in the old days. It's actually cutting layers through that dense tissue so you can see if there's anything hiding in there. You know, 3D is pretty much the standard of care these days. Everyone is getting that specialized mammogram. Just make sure that when you are getting a mammogram and you have dense breasts, that you're getting a 3D mammogram. The 3D is sort of the the standard of care, but that's also a newer technology over the last couple of years. And the screening recommendations, along with all of this newer technology, just means better early detection. Yes, definitely. And I think I skipped over a part with the screening recommendations for the diagnostic women or the women at high risk. Women at high risk sometimes do have to start earlier than 40. So... I use a little formula where if, let's say your mother had it at 45, I subtract 10 years from that, I would start you at 35. If I subtract that 10 years and it falls below 40, I would start the patient at that age because there are often first degree relatives in the family who even in their 30s were diagnosed, especially if it was a gene related cancer. So I would start them definitely earlier. And that's a conversation they can have with their doctor or with me about when they should start their yearly mammograms. And I think that's a subject that's come up repeatedly on this podcast since we even really started is the importance of talking with your doctor at your annual physicals, talking through your history, if you notice any changes, just really staying up to date on your screenings, vaccinations, other recommended, you know, blood tests and things like that. Just 
having that relationship with your doctor so that they can guide you to the next screening or the next thing is so important. Yes, it can be very individualized. All breasts are different and yes. all women are different and the risk factors are different. So we want to treat them as they should be treated based on what their history is and what's going on with them. So what are some of the other types of screenings of breast cancer that we're seeing right now? I know you talked about the 3D mammogram. Um, what are some of the other screenings that we have? I just want to make it clear. <laughs> mammography is it. Mammography is the gold standard. So nothing really takes the place of that. So I just wanted to go over some of the other things that we do have for screening, though. Handheld ultrasound is something we've been using actually for years as an adjunct to the mammogram. Um, it uses sound waves. There's no radiation. And it's really important when we see something on the mammogram or if a patient's feeling something and we see nothing, that we do a sonogram. And that's usually a handheld directed to that area of abnormality. So we want to see, is there really something there or is it just actually the fibroglandular tissue that feels lumpy? If we do see something, is it a cyst or is it a solid lesion? Ultrasound tells us that. And also the borders of that lesion, is it suspicious enough that I'm going to recommend a biopsy on it? That is where ultrasound comes in. It really helps. But our newest ultrasound screening tool is called Automated Whole Breast Ultrasound, which we now have at our Shady Grove location. Oh, great. It's actually an automated machine that does a screening ultrasound completely of both breasts. It takes about 20 minutes, half hour. We're a little slower right now because it's really a newer technology for us, but ultimately it'll be about a 20 minute exam. Mm -hmm. And it is a screening tool for women with dense breasts. As an adjunct to the mammogram, usually what we're doing is we have the woman get her mammogram and then we move her right over into the A-bus room and she'll get her automated whole breast ultrasound as well. So she's got two screening exams, which really bumps up the sensitivity of us being able to detect the breast cancer if it's there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is so hard to see in the dense breast on the mammogram, but then ABUS should pick it up. Yeah. So is this something we do for um, higher risk patients or do we do just for norm for every patient now? It's mainly for dense breasts okay. and for women at high risk. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. And what you said earlier is mammogram is the, the best tool for early detection. It's yep. your best tool to detect breast cancer. But then for those that might need a little extra, there are some other types of exams that we can do to be extra careful and, and find anything. Definitely. Some other screening tools we have are, of course, our breast exams. If you're feeling a lump or seeing a discharge, things like that, mm -hmm. that's something that you might detect on your own breast exam or your doctor might detect. How often should women be doing self-breast exams? I recommend once a month. And okay. for women who are actively menstruating, it should be the week after a cycle because our hormones change so much throughout the month. And if you think about it, that week after a cycle, really nothing's happening because the following week you're going to ovulate again for the next cycle. Mm -hmm. So that week after cycle is a really good time to check where our least hormonal and you won't feel as many of the fibrocystic type lumps. That's just really the best time to check. Because you're going to feel all kinds of things at other times of the month and it might scare you. And so. that's, But that's also really important. Know your body. Right. Right. Yeah. So a good lump, let's just go over that since yeah. you brought it up. Yeah. Uh, a good lump typically is kind of firm and rubbery texture, kind of like a little rubber ball. And you can move it around. It's, it's fully movable. And sometimes it is a little tender or sore. And that's mm -hmm. actually your good lump for the most part. But if you're ever not sure, is it moving? Is it not moving? Is it hard? Is this considered hard? Come in, let us check it out. Yeah. Cancer, on the other hand, it's very hard, like a little rock or a pebble there. Mm. And it is fixed to the tissue. It is stuck there. It's not easily moved. And it tends not to hurt at all for the most part. Mm. Now, there are two exceptions to that within the breast. 
Lesions that are close to the nipple, we have a lot of sensitivity there. There's a lot of nerve endings there. So everything hurts there, kind of good or bad. Mm -hmm. And also our breast tissue runs right into our underarm. So everything that's working your arm and your hand is coming through the underarm. Lots of nerve endings and blood vessels there. So lots of things hurt there, good or bad. But mainly for the substance of the breast itself, cancer tends not to hurt. So a painless, very hard lump, I really want women to pay attention to. It's not hurting you. A lot of women tend to dismiss it because it's not bothering them. But the, I really want them to come in. Those are the ones I'm more worried about yeah, yeah. Um, because it is kind of a stealth type of cancer for the most part. It does try to grow and spread and do all the bad things it likes to do before you're aware that it's even there. Okay. So any little thing that just doesn't seem right, come in and let us check it out. We can reassure you if yes. everything seems okay or if it's just a cyst that has popped up. Things that we know are benign, we can at least reassure you about that. I love what you said. We can reassure you, like, don't put it off if you're not sure or you you think to yourself, oh, it doesn't hurt or, oh, I'll just leave it be for now. Don't do that. Go in and get reassured. Don't ignore it. Yeah, I think it comes under a recurring theme of like going to your provider yeah. at least once a year and talking to them. If you have anything abnormal, if you're concerned about something, just communicate that to your provider and have that relationship. And you mentioned a lot of the information uh, in terms of some of the myths that we're seeing with breast cancer. You mentioned that it's it's not painful and every abnormal lump that they may see that it is abnormal, it may not be fully abnormal. What are some of the other myths that you see around breast cancer? The whole mammogram myths surrounding that exam itself. Women think it's very painful. It's actually very well tolerated in the hands of a good technologist. I mean, I've had many myself, so it's uncomfortable, but it's just for that moment. And let's all think about the alternative of suffering from breast cancer that you didn't know you had because you did not get your mammogram. Yeah. So there are some newer technologies with the mammography itself. And like I said, in the hands of a good technologist, that helps because that positioning, we do four views. The first view is uh, two views of each breast. The first one is like a pancake kind of view. And the other one is an angled view. So it gives us two views of each breast and helps us to actually triangulate within the breast where something is actually located. Mm -hmm. So the newer technologies involve some newer types of paddles that we're using. Some have like a curved orientation to them to kind of conform to the breast and a softer paddle. Some women actually will take a Tylenol before they come in. Mm -hmm. And I direct women to try to come that week after cycle because that is what we're at least hormonal again. And that compression will be more easily tolerated because you're not ovulating yet or getting ready to go on cycle. So it's a little easier to take that compression. And the more compression you can take, the better that mammogram is actually going to be. And I can say this was a myth that I held before I had my first mammogram this year. (laughs) I put it off. I did. I I did not get one when I turned 40. I waited till I was 41 because I was putting it off because I was afraid it was going to hurt. I didn't know what to expect. And you're absolutely right. The technologist was so gentle and just made sure I was comfortable and was like, okay, we're ready. Just take a deep breath. I wouldn't say it's the most comfortable thing in the world. Like that's not it, but it was not as bad. And every woman is different and they're going to experience it differently. Right. And a good technologist who will walk you through step-by-step. Step. Yes. So you're not feeling uncomfortable. You, I mean, after all, you're standing there naked. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> At least from the top. <laughs> yes. A couple other myths that we can address is the radiation. You said it is an x-ray. So a lot of people don't want to come because they think it's so much radiation and I want to give my body this radiation, but that's incorrect. So Mm -hmm. a mammogram is one of the lowest dose things we do in radiology as far as radiation exposure. It's uh, 
very negligible amount. I mean, it's nothing compared to like, let's say you have a sprained arm or wrist or something and you go get x-rays. It's nothing like even that x-ray or a chest Mm x-ray. So it's a lot less radiation than that. I think it's something like 0.2 millisieverts, which is a measure of radiation. And over the course of usually a year or so, people get between three and four millisieverts just from living, Mm -hmm. just from the environment. So it's very negligible. There's never been any scientific proof that it actually causes any kind of cancer or anything like that. So the benefits of getting your mammogram so far outweigh the risk. I just encourage everyone to do it. And some of those fears that we were talking about, I do have a few women Mm -hmm. every year who are so fearful, but they'll do it if I'm there with them. So I actually just stand behind them. We're talking about other things. Um, I have one patient in particular that I'm thinking of right now who pretty much passes out. Oh no! So I make sure that I'm there with her. And so I probably get a few mammograms a year because I just stand out there with them and make sure they're okay as they go through because it's that important that they actually get it done. And thankfully, as the years have passed, that particular patient has become so much more comfortable that I actually don't have to stand in there with her anymore. But I will do that. if It's that important. It really is. That's great. You talked a little bit about, you know, starting at age 40 is when you need to start getting your mammogram. But some women will delay it because I don't have a family history. And that's that's a big myth. Yeah. A full three quarters or 75% of women who are diagnosed with breast cancer have absolutely no family history and they're not considered high risk patients at all. Mm -hmm. So that's the large bulk of the patients that are getting diagnosed with breast cancer with no family history. Those genetically linked cancers I was talking about before with BRCA1 and 2, that's only about 5% of the cancers. Mm -hmm. Family history has nothing to do with it. Simply because you're a woman, you're at risk. About one in eight women will be diagnosed throughout their lifetime. So Mm -hmm. just keep in mind, you know, it may not be you. We hope it's not you, but it's going to touch you in some way. Somebody, you know, a friend or family member will be diagnosed and they will need your support. Just keep that in mind that just by virtue of being a woman, you are at risk and please get your mammogram every year. Yep. So what are the difference between screening and diagnostic mammograms? So a screening mammogram is a woman who is just at average risk and has no problems going on. She's not having any discomfort or feeling a lump or having a discharge. It's just her regular test for the year. She may not see me. She may come get her mammogram and leave. And that's usually pretty quick, about 15, 20 minutes. She'd be in and out. Diagnostic is when I'm working up a problem. But a diagnostic is also a woman who's had breast cancer before. She might have more scar tissue in her breast. It might be a little more of a difficult read. So we ask her to wait. So that patient is getting worked up completely and will see me before she leaves to either receive her results or to get some additional testing done. A woman who's feeling a lump, a discharge, nipple retraction is another one. If the nipple seems pulled in, sometimes that's actually okay, especially if it comes back out, if it can be everted. But if a nipple's pulled in and stays in and does not evert, that's concerning. So please come in, whether there's a discharge or not. Indentations in the skin and sometimes skin that just looks swollen, like it looks like a orange peel type of skin, like you see some little dimpling there. That can also be a sign. So we want you to come in and that would be a diagnostic evaluation. And I'm assuming when somebody comes for a diagnostic, they're more likely to do a follow up and less, more frequently than somebody who's doing a screening. Sometimes. So sometimes diagnostic patients do come every six months, but that would be after a full workup and sometimes after a biopsy. So for instance, we would go all the way to a biopsy if there was a high-risk lesion that was noticed, but it was not cancerous. Sometimes they will still consult with a surgeon and may have that area removed, or they would come back every six months to keep getting that area checked. 
that recommendation is usually in conjunction with myself and the patient and her doctor. Mm-hmm. Got it. Well, I think there's probably just one more myth I want to talk about. Sometimes if you do come in for a screening result, you may have an abnormality, but that doesn't mean it's cancer. And so that could also keep people from coming in, getting their mammogram, which is, I don't want to know the results because, you know, if there's something there, I don't want to know. But it doesn't always mean it's cancer if there's an abnormality. Right. No news is not necessarily good news. So please come in and let us check you out. Yeah. Let me just give you kind of a scenario of how this works. About out of a thousand women, this is what scares women. About 10% of women do get called back or recalled from screening. So if we see something, we're just not sure, we will ask her to come back and we will Mm -hmm. do a diagnostic exam and work the area up that we're a little suspicious of. And that scares people. So that chance of being called back is about 10%. Women with dense breasts, it probably is higher than that. I'll be honest about that. We even warn women when they're getting their baseline sometimes that you may be called back. Don't worry about it. It's usually nothing. So we started with a thousand women. So of those hundred women that might get called back, about 80, 81 of those will be dismissed. They'll be okay. They're clear. Mm -hmm. So that leaves us with about 19 or 20 women who then get a biopsy. And out of all the biopsies we do, about 80% of those are not cancer. Mm. So if you just look at how that kind of breaks down and a lot of the lesions, like I said, that we are detecting now because the technology is so good are precancerous lesions. Mm. And a lot of those do go on to get removed, but she didn't have cancer. We found it before it turned into cancer. So that's so important too. So that's typically something that she wouldn't see or feel maybe for another three to five years. Excellent. Thank you for breaking that down for us. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. Anything else, Nimit? Any no, questions? I think that was a lot Could of Can I do one more? You absolutely. absolutely can. Because we've been in this pandemic for so long. Um, a lot of women are thinking, well, you know, I didn't get it throughout the pandemic. I skipped a couple of years or I skipped a year or two. Please don't do that. And I will tell you why, because we're seeing the fallout of that now. Oh. So those women who would have been diagnosed during the pandemic who skipped their mammograms, we're seeing a lot of cancer now because- We would have picked it up that year if she had come, but then another year passed. I saw one statistic where I I was stating that about three-fourths or 75% of women who die from breast cancer did not do a regular mammogram. So we want you to come every year. So for women who skip their mammographic years, about up to 30% of cancers could be missed or just yeah. delayed in their diagnosis because we didn't catch them the year we would have caught it. You would have, yeah. Yeah, okay. I've seen that just because of this pandemic. So I just wanted to mention that too. Please yeah. come every year. We're sending out reminders. Yeah, so. and it's extremely safe. The imaging centers are extremely safe. Everybody's masked. It's clean. It's safe. Just come in and get it. Yes. Thank you so much. That was That's very important to mention. Definitely come in and start getting your mammograms again. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you, Dr. Duckett, for coming in. We really appreciate all this wonderful information you gave us today. If you would like to learn more about Adventist Healthcare Imaging or Dr. Duckett, visit AdventistHealthcare.com. And thank you to our listeners. Thank you, Nimit. Thank you, Dr. Duckett. If we ever, there's ever any new um, information or or new things coming out, will you come back and talk to us? Yes, I will. Absolutely. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. So to our listeners, uh, please like or follow our podcast on Apple or Spotify so you can get all of our new episodes. So till next time, thank you all for listening. Thank you all. 